The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck here on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Cat. Hope you're having a great week. And what a week it has been in the sport of mixed martial arts. I feel like that's a very common phrase pretty much all the time, especially in 2020. But this week has just been bananas because we've been debating the future of the light heavyweight division following Glover Teixeira's fifth consecutive win over Tiago Santos over the weekend in the main event of UFC Vegas 13. Incredible performance from the man who is now 41 years young. Submission win. I'm very intrigued to see where he will go from here because his next fight should 1,000% be for the light heavyweight title. But as everybody knows by now, we have Jan Bohovic versus Israel Adesanya. Or Adesanya. I mean, you could say both. I don't want to hear it. But <laughs> that fight's being targeted for 2021. So we will see what happens with Glover Teixeira because... That man is a problem right now. He matches up well with absolutely everybody in this division. And you can make an argument that if he fought Jan Blachowicz next, he he could beat Jan Blachowicz. That'd be a really interesting fight. But of course, Israel Adesanya, massive star. It seems like all signs, or at least the plan, the planning of it anyways, pointing towards Adesanya versus Jones. Which, by the way, and I talked about this on Between the Links, if that's where you're trying to go, like if this is the road you're trying to take, then why move Adesanya up to 205? Just have him fight John. Just have him fight John. Like, if the plan is to fight John in July, have him fight Robert Whitaker, have Jan fight Glover, and then no matter what happens, Adesanya can bump up to, to heavyweight and fight John Jones after that. Like, we don't have to go up divisions. We don't have to try to capture the 205-pound title to make that fight. Just make the freaking fight. Just make it. If that's the direction you want to go, then just make the fight. Just make it. You don't need to. It is what it is. Of course, I want to see it. It'd be interesting. But if we're trying, if we're going to John, if the plan is Adesanya versus Jones, just do it. Just book it now. You don't have to do that. Everybody wants to see it. Both guys want it. We don't need to do a crazy build. It's already big. It's as big as it's going to get. I mean, if he beats John, yeah, there's a little more intrigue. But the fight's already massive. Everybody wants to see it. It's, a, it's, an, it's an anticipated matchup. And if Adesanya loses to Jan Blachowicz, it's gone. It's all gone. 
I favor Adesanya in that fight, but Jan has been overlooked like his entire UFC career and he gets it done a lot. So I just, I don't know. Well, go watch Between the Links. You'll get my take on it as well as Jose Young's and Shorty Torres. But that was this past Saturday. From there, we find out on Sunday that Islam Makachev is out of the UFC Vegas 14 main event against Rafael dos Anjos. From all indications, looks like a staph infection was the reason for the scratch. So we're sitting here wondering what's going to happen because, and I'm not trying to be negative, but the card this weekend for the UFC, it could not afford to lose Rafael dos Anjos in any way. So the plan needed to be, I don't care who you have to match him up against, he needs to stay on this card. And what does the UFC do? They go out and they get Paul Felder in there to fight RDA. And good grief, what a freaking fight that is. I cannot wait to see how, how that all plays out at the UFC Apex. And especially with things at 155 so up in the air right now. That's a massive fight. That's a big one. Especially if Felder wins. And crap, RDA too. Whoever wins that fight is, is in the mix. And has uh, something big in store for them next. Whether it be... Dan Hooker, I know Felder just fought Hooker, but if, if RDA wins, do RDA versus Hooker. We got Charles Oliveira, Gaethje, we got Ferguson, we got Chandler, and like Chandler, Ferguson, Gaethje, two of those guys are gonna fight. The other one's gonna be the odd man out. So a lot at stake, that's a really good fight. I favored Makachev to beat RDA, but in terms of like entertainment and action, this is the better fight on Saturday, so that should be a lot of fun. The rest of the card, stylistically, should be fun, but in terms of name value, it's just not that great, and I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, but that's just the way that it is, but, uh, so that's going down. We got that fight made heading into Saturday, and then on Tuesday, our own Damon Martin confirms with multiple sources that the fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, the rematch from UFC 178, it is a go for UFC 257 on January 23rd. Obviously, that is massive news, and let me just uh, let me just address this real quick because since Damon broke this news that the fight was a go, Dana White has come out and said that it wasn't a go, and there's all these hurdles and lots of what-ifs. Let me just be very clear about something here. MMA fighting, and this is one of the reasons that I love working for this website so much, we do not report anything unless it is confirmed by multiple sources. So even even if another site breaks the news, even if like Brett Akamoto comes out with the report saying like per Dana White, this fight is happening against this person, we don't just write that up and take it as gospel because sometimes that information is incorrect too. It will not go up on the site until we reach out to managers, reach out to the fighters, and both sides of the discussion confirms that information then we'll write it then we'll put it on the site we got mcgregor poirier confirmed via multiple sources because if we didn't we wouldn't even be talking about this right now that's just the way it is because i saw some people on twitter being like oh dana white said it wasn't true dana white has said things aren't true like five hundred thousand times and guess what they were true so there you go now was there some fake news out there on tuesday yes there was it was not from us I'm not here to call on anyone publicly, but there was some fake news. It was not McGregor versus Poirier 2 at UFC 257. I can assure you of that. But listen, Connor's come out with the statement. He was getting all nostalgic, going back, looking at the UFC 178 
face-off between him and Dustin Poirier, saying, see you soon. Certainly didn't read like a man who didn't sign a contract. John Cavanaugh, head coach Conor McGregor, said that it was a go. Dana, like I said, Dana White has stretched or redirected the truth like a half a million times at this point <laughs> during, during his run in the UFC. It is the fight business. It is what it is. And you, and you can bet your bippy that Dana White and the UFC wanted to release this information before we did, before ESPN did, before anybody else did. Okay? That's just that they like to get the information out themselves. They probably had a cool package, cool video ready to go to release this news. Maybe even at the pay-per-view on November 21st, UFC 255. But it is what it is. That is the job. And if you get the information, it is hard, it is the job to report said information. And if, as long as you got it from multiple sources, I can tell you right now, I'm sitting on like two or three fights that I could go out and report right now, but I can't because I haven't gotten the other side yet. And I won't until I get that other side. And if I don't get up that other side and someone else reports it, good on them. That is totally fine. I can live with it. I would rather be, uh, I'd rather be last to report it and have the information completely be accurate than, than, than be first and be incorrect. So there you go. That's the last. So, so basically what it comes down to, and I know I'm rambling here. Last thing I'll say about McGregor Poirier, just get excited about it. Stay positive about it, because it's a great fight, and it's happening, okay? Unless, like, something absolutely bananas happens over the next couple of weeks, that fight is happening on January 23rd. But the ramble is over. Let us get to the fighters. That's who you want to hear from. Let us run down the lineup. We'll get to the first guest. We're going to wrap things up with Lex McMahon, the COO of Titan FC. And they have an event coming up next Sunday afternoon in the Dominican Republic on November 22nd. That's Titan FC 65. But the day before that, at 49 years of age, Lex McMahon, the former Marine, will make his mixed martial arts debut against Justin Thornton at Fighting Force 4 in the main event. It's going to be on UFC Fight Pass. I know UFC 255 is going on at the same time, but good Lord. I mean, this is... It's amazing stuff. And the reasoning behind this decision is equally amazing. And... After you watch this interview, I highly recommend, because Lex does mention in the conversation, I believe UFC Fight Pass already dropped like the first part of sort of the, the video vlog series leading into the fight, talking about it. And Lex is going to talk about it here. He basically <laughs> says that for most of his camp, he's just been getting his ass kicked. And in this video, it's basically three and a half minutes of him getting his ass kicked. But then he gets a little better. But you'll hear all about that. You'll listen to the conversation and go watch that. It's very, very cool. Lex McMahon wraps this up a little bit later on. Brandon Roy Val is going to return to the show ahead of a massive fight against Brandon Moreno next weekend at UFC 255. Talked to Brandon Moreno a few weeks back on the program. Moreno is fired up. He's pissed because he got passed over for a title a couple of times. And uh, one of the big topics of conversation as of late, especially over the last couple of weeks, has been about who will or who could be the 2020 male fighter of the year because normally at this point, like there's like one, two, maybe three people who are in this conversation. Right now, there's a whole bunch and if Brandon Royval can beat Brandon Moreno and do so impressively, he's in that conversation. Surely, like in the top eight to 10 people in that conversation because makes his UFC debut in May on short notice against the top 15 guy in Tim Elliott. 
Very hard guy to submit. Submits him. Then he fights Kaikar France. I think he was number eight at the time. Guy who doesn't was on a good streak. Submits him in the second round. Gets another bonus. And now he's going to fight, in my opinion, the number one guy in this division, not named Davis and Figueiredo. I know Figueiredo's fighting Alex Perez. I think Perez deserves a title shot, but if we're going by rankings and meritocracy, Moreno's ranked number two. Joseph Benavides is ranked number one. And Benavides has lost his last two fights. So right now, Brandon Moreno, in my opinion, is the number one contender in this division. So Brandon Moreno beats him. He's in that conversation. But Brandon Royval, he is just as fired up as Brandon Moreno was a few weeks back. We'll talk to him in around 20 minutes. But first, let's bring in a man who, in his first appearance on this program back in, it was either late April or early May, it was one of the, the, the first episodes of the show once I came over to MMA Fighting, it was the infamous massage interview. <laughs> it was like right after UFC 249 got postponed. And uh, he's been on for some separate chats, uh, chats along the way. But Alexander Hernandez got himself a win, a performance bonus, a whole new outlook on the fight game since he's made the decision to head to Colorado and work with Mark Montoya and everyone over at Factory X. So following his quick finish, first round knockout win over Chris Gritzmacher at UFC Vegas 12, let us check in with Alex Hernandez to kick off this week's What the Heck. All right, back of the show is Alex Hernandez. What a performance he had this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 12. Knocks out Chris Gritzmacher in the first round, just under two minutes of octagon time and got an extra 50 Gs for his troubles. Alex, welcome back, man. How are you? What's up, dude? How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. The The last time you were on, we discussed all the changes that you had made, and I asked you if it felt like this was going to be your UFC debut all over again, and it was something that you hadn't really thought about, but it seemed like that's how you approached this fight in a lot of ways, from the walkout to the actual performance itself. Is that accurate? Oh, a thousand percent, dude. Yeah, it was something special, you know, just to kind of um, enjoy myself. You know, and definitely set apart from any other performance I've ever had. So I definitely felt like, yeah, it was a UFC debut kind of moment coming out party to myself, you know. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it, it all began sort of with the battle of the walkout songs because Chris walked out to more human than human by White Zombie. Excellent choice. But you yeah. came out first to Dreams by uh, Fleetwood Mac, man. It was yeah, we crazy. We had a whole different groove, baby. Yeah, grooving to my own drum on that one. Yeah, that was a... That was definitely a fun vibe for sure. And I couldn't help but smile, man, you know, like I'm walking out and, and that, I found that song being just kind of like, um, I don't know, sort of a source of joy for me as I would be getting ready for our heavy sparring days on Fridays. You know, there's a period where I was listening to like just a bunch of gangster shit and trying to get hyped up. I listen, to, I listen to a ton of audiobooks, but on the, on the way to practice or whatever, you know, I was, I was real tense. And then when I came back from that Abu Dhabi trip, kind of flipped the switch and, um, stopped over stressing everything so much and taking it all so seriously and started having more fun on my way to the gym and in the gym. And, uh, and like that, that song was like a bit of a catalyst for that too. And so started kind of like just swaying more and jamming more and then, you know, having, having more fun. And so when that came on, I, I just couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Did you just like hear it on the radio one day on the way to practice? You're like, Oh man, this is a, uh, no, this no, is cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've Fuck, I know, I know music, bro. Okay, it's, okay, it's, all it's, right. It's, I mean, that's the most universally beloved song, probably of all time. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I, I like I like Fleetwood a lot, and like kind of like Tom Petty and just some like easy jams. And so, um, I, I always kind of circulate them, but they were just you know hitting a little different this time, and just um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. It, it was just really sending a trickle down my spine of, of positivity. So I was, I was running with it. So you're kind of an old soul at heart. Deep down. A bit, a bit. Yeah, definitely uh, eclectic for sure. So, you, I mean, your your actual debut was just this like flurry of chaos and you put Benil Dariush away in a matter of seconds. This fight, there's a lot of patience. You took some, you gave some, then you had him hurt and you took your time and, and put him away at in, in, in your own pace. How important was it to have that calculated yet pacey sort of patience to your approach? Yeah, yeah, kind of like a like a poise explosiveness is what I've been trying to like hone in on and and definitely just calculated for sure, man. That was the most calculated I've ever felt and composed and cerebral. Um, uh, like you said, the Darius fight was just kind of like an explosion, you know, that that really worked out well for me. Uh, but it wasn't something that can just be replicated all the way to the top. Whereas this is something that can be replicated to the top, and I feel really good about that. Uh, and then not stressing about like. If he made contact on something like a, a leg kick, I wasn't worried about it. Or like if I let a jab touch me or something, you know, I, I felt they were insignificant and I was I was using it as as intel, you know, as opposed to getting upset with myself that I got touched at all or, you know, why am I letting this or that happen? So uh, just keeping a cooler head on my shoulders for sure. Yeah, and it translated even after the fight because, I mean, you won fights in the octagon before. You've had finishes before, but this one you just sort of basked in it. Like you soaked it all in. You didn't go crazy like, Rah! but you just sort of yeah. like smiled and was like, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. Like how different did the <laughs> aftermath feel compared to those other fights? Yeah, you know, it's funny you said that because that's exactly what I felt like kind of transcender of me where, you know, normally, you know, I didn't feel like jumping on the uh, ring of the cage, you know, like a guy just kind of felt like, all right. That was like, I felt like Tiger Woods, you know, when he just like hits that, hits that bird. He's like, you know, and I just felt, I just felt like that. Just like, uh, just composed and cool about it. And, uh, and on to the next one, you know, like, let's get, let's get the next one under our belt. Just keep moving. Yeah. Like it just seemed like all those stresses that have been weighing you down in the past, they just sort of floated away. It was very, it was very Zen-like in, in, in victory. Yeah. And I think that was probably it too. Like, like what you just said is that, if you carry too much going into it, you get done. You're like, Oh fuck. You know, like, Whoa! yeah, fuck. Yeah. That's done. You know, but I didn't feel like that because I was having a good time going into it and I had a cool head. And then during the process I did too. So then afterwards, I guess it only makes sense that you just kind of maintain that, that, you know, that ease about you and that coolness. And so, uh yeah yeah it was just pretty even tempered what was what was bigger for you winning the fight or sort of winning that battle with the chip on your shoulder because that's something you've had a yeah. constant battle with throughout your career like you may not have fully defeated it but you certainly used it to your advantage on saturday yeah you know uh that that was the biggest thing you know and even my grandparents love them to death they were like you know mijo this was such a big win for you because um uh, you know, despite anything else, you know, you conquered those inner demons essentially, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's a thousand percent it, you know, I felt, uh, I felt like I finally aligned, you know, all the chaos in my mind with, you know, what I wanted to, what I, what I, what I wanted to act upon. And, and, uh, and so that, that was, yeah, that was the biggest victory for me. It was just being able to compose myself because like the fights that I had fought in the past, like that Dober loss, like, it didn't take Dober to beat that guy. That guy could have lost to anybody that night, you know? And so that, that's why I was upset. And like that, the guy on Saturday, that guy could have beat anybody. And so, um, you know, you know, it's more about, yeah, the, the internal battle that was waged. And I feel, I feel really good about that. I feel, it's not a cool place all around. Like I said, that 
kind of that Zen daddy right now. So <laughs> I feel good. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, I know you, that's been something you've been working on trying to, you know, be more sort of, sort of cerebral and have that battle mentally. Like even going into the Trinaldo fight, that was something that, you know, was very important to you, but I feel like yeah. you've, you've, I don't know if you took the step in that fight, you were proud of the performance and some of the things you're able to do, but this one was just like a totally different ball game. Right. And, and that, and that goes to, to the, to the coaching and the preparation of the team, you know, because in the Trinaldo one, I was trying to get on that level, but I didn't know, I didn't know how to technically, you know, put it into practice as far as, um, uh, you know, adjusting the stance and the entries and developing a game, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, well, let's just be really cool and let's try to skate around this or that. And, and, you know, but I, I didn't realize maybe how to execute the same. And then after working with, um, just some wizards, um, you know, this guy on Oregon, this Roots Fitness um, guy who's just kind of like a life coach, doesn't even mean to be, but he's this mobility farmer. I talked to him and then uh, he, he's like, he's the guy's guy who I was working with in New Braunfels before with the ponytail and shit. So he's like that Yoda. And then also uh, just Mark, you know, working with Mark Montoya every day in Abu Dhabi and having some really good talks with him and some one-on-ones with him and him teaching me like that platform to build on that I can like develop my game where I can like maintain that I can recover from it and I can explode from it as well, as opposed to always being in that, like uh, fight or flight state that I was fighting in before, you know, it's like now Mark taught me how to like put that actually into practice. And then, so then I get my head right now I have kind of like the platform to actually move on how to, how to enter and exit. And, um, and yes, yeah, so it's, it's, it's just coming all together better. You know, now that I have like uh, a, a UFC coach and team, you know, which is just something I didn't have before, you know, one thing that I also noticed, no call-outs. I mean, Alex 1.0 would have probably had a name or two ready to shout out from the rooftops, but this time yeah. your only call-out was for the for the cashola. Like, you want to make that cheese, as you said on Saturday? And, cheese, yeah. yeah, the name doesn't matter, man. Like, again, another change that you made. It had to have been nice to just focus on one thing and not have to have, like, some sort of fiery promo in the background ready for after the yeah. fight, right? Yeah, you know what? That's so funny you said that, too. Yeah, like... Um, not really prepping anything, you know, like, okay, here's how, you know, if I do it like this and this is who I want to call and, and et cetera, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, being very present, just being super present in the interviews after and in the moment and like even now, you know, um, but, but yeah, I, I definitely changed like the trajectory of what I want to do and how I want to do it before it was just like, you got to race to the top and get there and, you know, just fuck everyone along the way and now I, now I don't feel that same kind of hostility or even like uh urgency i'm, I'm very like uh very ambitious and like I, I need to execute on time and i was having a hard time this year uh especially approaching my birthday you know because like i i hold, I hold such high expectations for myself every year and like this was the first year in a long time where i was like man i don't think that like i've accomplished what i've like set out to accomplish this year and i feel like i'm just behind on like time and everything else and i was like kind of in a bit of a slump and that was during that Abu Dhabi period and mark's like no nah, dude like you don't even realize what what like extraordinary changes you've made this year and the decisions that you've made that are going to alter the course of your life and and like the evolutions that were that are taking place even right now and and just because it hasn't been manifested in a fight or anything else doesn't mean that this hasn't been like an extraordinary year already and then having that win translate over, you know, just kind of proves that. And, and that's like, that's just, that's just a really cool, you know, thing to, to kind of manifest and, and see, you know, see come to fruition. So uh, I just want to keep developing, keep building. Like I said, keep making money because I got a good contract now and I want to keep that growing. Um, 
this year, I want to make some good money this year. I want to get another fight in, and I want to have another excellent performance. I want to keep growing myself, and then, and then, uh, you know, next year I want to accomplish even more. But it's not, it's not a race to the title until until the title, you know, presents itself. You don't have to answer this. You could tell me to kick rocks. But was this a uh, with the bonus and everything? Was this a six figure night for you? Hundred fifty grand, baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hundred fifty grand, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. You can fucking. You can. <laughs> we can load the bin up with rocks, baby, and run it together. Yeah. We're making good money. So, cash out on another one of those in six weeks, and I'm I'm pretty happy for the year. You know what I mean? It's the best minute forty one of your life. Best minute forty one <laughs> ever, for sure. Yeah, just because of. Yeah, just because of the mind and everything else. So that was cool. That was cool. And it was like a, a perfect execution of what we've been working. So I was I was happy with it. You know, there's always things to clean up. Like I'm looking at all the things I need to tighten up off that performance. But I'm, I'm happy with it for sure. Something I haven't said I've been proud of like a performance in a long time. And that's, that, you know, that, that's one of them. So. You did have your name spoken on Saturday. Tiago Moises called you and I Cowboy Saronia. I heard something about that later. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah. this obviously isn't the first time you've been called out, but you know, this is oh, a new, this is this is Alex two point This is a new era. Did you did you like? How did you react to that? And when, once you found out about it, oh, it's exciting because you know I was looking at him the whole week and um, truthfully giving him no respect at all. But but I I I, uh, I, I like I like the matchup. Um, I think it's a super great fight, and I was talking to my manager actually about it already, and uh, we're playing with the idea of that or because we both just fought the way that the matchups would go. If, if I was trying, I really want to get one in like December 19th card. And so he was saying, because you both fought on the same card, the likelihood of you both fighting again on that would be unlikely. It'd probably be like you fill in uh, for someone who's been trying to get a fight throughout the course of the year, because there's so many, so many guys trying to get in. Right. So he's like, you probably have to fight one more and then you'd probably fight like Moises or if that's who you want or whoever. I was like, that sounds great. Sounds perfect. So we'll fight whoever, and then I'll take Moises out to start of next year, and then probably hit like one of these fifteen guys again, and just keep climbing, dude. But it's it's like I'm really just like enjoying the process now, like and 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 like I said, just like kind of not taking my time, but making my time count, be worth something, you know, getting getting paid what I'm worth. So uh, yeah, Moises is definitely on the radar. I, I'm 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 positive we'll be fighting each other pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, you're you, now you're get, you get to sort of like grow up in the UFC again. You didn't get the chance to do that the first time around. Right, right, exactly. And I, I, that, that's just it. You know, I, I want I want to develop my skills. I want to develop all these things that I'm working on, and and not just uh, feel pressure to take shit because of you know timing or whatever else. You know, I, I never I didn't even know saying no was an option. Not that I would, but you know, I never say no to any fights, and that's why and that's why they gave me you know. That's why they're giving me these opportunities and the pay and things like that because it's like, you know, I've been here, I've always been here, and I've always showed up. So, um, yeah, you know, whatever the end of the year brings, but definitely try to get some scrap in December 19th would be awesome. There is one question. There is one question I've been dying to ask you since the weekend, and I got uh, Adrian Yanez's opinion on it, but I saw the photos on social media. Where did you get that suit, man, that you wore for the uh, after festivities at your manager's oh, house? I think yeah. it was crazy. The dope suit, dude. <laughs> Get the green light on that suit. So oh, that's sick. awesome. Um, it's uh, it's it's so my manager, my manager works with a, a company called Fine Line Threads. Uh, custom suits, they're badass, man. They're badass. I'll, I'll put a link up actually on that on that photo. I'll tag them, and so you can check it out. But yeah, they they they, they put me up with some pretty gangster ass suits. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good knockouts. Adrian's knockout was was pretty sick too. He said you had Adrian some kind of words for him. Yeah, yeah, he he looked great. 
I mean, that was, that, that's what was so crazy about that card, you know, is like everyone was getting finishes, and I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> like, you guys chill out? And I thought, I thought for sure, um, I thought for sure the co-main event with Philly and Mitchell was going to get a fight the night or a performance bonus. So I was pretty relieved when it didn't do either. And uh, I guess they just threw out four performance bonuses that night, right? And then, and then I was looking at it. I, I thought there was a good chance I'd get it because I thought I had the nastiest one. But, um, you know, there are just so many, like, there are just so many finishes, you know. Any uh, any cornering in your future? Like I know Royval's got a big one coming up against Brandon Moreno. Are you looking to keep this cornering winning streak intact? Oh uh, yeah, there? the boys are back in town, baby. <laughs> November seventeenth, we're at it, dude. Back in Vegas, I think the fights on the twenty first. And so, uh, so yeah, we're going back out there again. I'm fucking stoked. I can't <laughs> wait for that fight, dude. You already know how excited I am. So, and it's always just such a good time. Like me and Brandon have such a good time, and we get great work. And then being with Coach, uh, you know, that's when I evolved the most. Just are just our one on one sessions. So. We're super tight. That'll, that'll be a great. It'll be a great week. Super successful week. Has he talked to you about sort of? Cause, I mean, because he's just on this unbelievable surge in 2020. Like, get, jumped in against yeah. a top 15 guy, got a quick finish. Yeah. Jumped in against a top 10 guy, got another quick finish. Now he's like a fight, maybe two away from fighting for the belts. Like, if he wins right. this fight, he's right there. Has he talked to you about like trying to stay composed with all this since you've been through kind of both sides yeah. of it? Yeah, man. He, you know. He, he's not getting talked about enough because, yeah, he's on the craziest trajectory out of anybody right now in the UFC. I can't think of a single person, you know. Shemev's obviously does some pretty impressive shit. He's on the hype, but, like, Brandon's got two bonuses and finished two top ten guys on his two first fights, and now he's about to fight the number one contender. And that's that's fucking insane, dude. And, um, and yeah, you know, it's all like if you stop and overthink it too much, I, I bet it could become pretty overwhelming. But he does a pretty good job of just like always getting back to work, back on the grindstone. Like we always joke because if one of us is in the gym and the other one's not getting a session, it's like, you know, I, I joked about how he was like, oh, you, you just you start fucking coaching Kai Car France now, too. Like you know, he's just not going to invite me to these sessions. It's like we're always competing against each other. I think me and him more than anybody else. We're always competing against each other on uh, on who's getting more work in. And, you know, like if. Uh, I'll be doing I'll be doing like privates or a work outside of like maybe a group class or something, but I'm not there in that group class. And you know, I'll get a text like, oh hey, the rest of us are just out here getting better. It's not like you don't have a fine in a couple of weeks. I'm like, dude, fuck you, bro. I'm doing I'm, I'm busy doing work right now, okay? Just because you don't see me doesn't mean I'm not working. But um, but no, we, we we always stay hungry, we stay push each other, and I think that he he realizes where he's at right now. Like what what it showed him is that he just should have been here a long time ago. You know, it's and, and that's the perspective the whole, not the perspective where it's like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm already here. I'm already, you know, against this guy. It's it's like, wow, I should have been doing this a long time ago because I'm taking all the cookies. You know, I'm, I'm eating your guys' lunch right now, and and, and it's and it's coming easy. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're just keeping grounded, and everything's moving so quick that we don't really have time to stop and uh over overthink anything you know it's just another opponent another date yeah uh, brandon royval with confidence is a scary individual because he's never really yeah. had that before he's always questions himself like do i even belong here and now yeah. it seems like he's starting to get there but once he gets there geez louise yeah yeah he's just such a psychopath in general dude because that guy like i didn't see it so much his last fight but he was saying he'll, he'll be like an emotional roller coaster in the back and then inevitably he always just goes out there and pops the fuck off you know like so he like he might even have some tears in his eye dude if i'm standing across and that guy's like hiking his shorts up the way he does all gay, ghetto and gangster and shit and he's got like some tears coming down his face i'm freaking the fuck out dude i'm like okay what is this guy about to do and so no matter what he just he just shows up you know he just shows up so 
uh, this, this this will definitely be a dogfight, another 50K or for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But congratulations yeah. to you, Alex. Great performance. Again, glad to see you in a great place, taking advantage of this quasi-career refresh. And uh, enjoy yeah. the holidays, man. Not too much because you want to get on that December 19th card. But we'll talk <laughs> yeah. soon, man. Definitely a different approach to the fight game. And if you missed the 30 or so minute chat we had around a month ago, month and a half, Alex Hernandez is well aware that there's a lot of folks against him after the way he approached the Donald Cerrone fight. And there's a lot of fans who haven't really forgiven him for that or haven't really been able to get past that. Hernandez was on the show and he said that there's a good part, there's a good chunk of him that regrets approaching the fight in that way, but he definitely seems like he's in a great place now. I like the Tiago Moises idea and uh, we'll see how that plays out. He's going to try to get another one in before the end of the year. We the NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Now go from Mr. Hernandez to a teammate of his, Brandon Royval. Massive fight for him next weekend at UFC 255 against Brandon Moreno. In my opinion, Brandon Moreno is the number one contender at 125. His next fight, in my opinion, the winner of this fight, their next fight should be for the belt, especially if Brandon Moreno wins. He should be fighting for the belt, not Cody, not Cody Garbrandt. We all know what's going to happen with that. But let's check it with Brandon Royval, head of a massive fight next weekend. All right. What a year it has been for the uh, OG Raw Dog, the man who was that nickname before anyone else tried to make it cool in the UFC. He's now set to fight Brandon Moreno next weekend at UFC 255. Big night for the flyweights, and Brandon Royval is a big part of that, and he is back on the show right now. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. Yourself? I'm doing great. So 2020 has been your year, my man. I mean, from signing to the UFC, two submission wins, two bonuses. Now you're getting set to fight the number two guy in the division, a guy many feel is the number one guy at 125 pounds outside of the champion. This is just unbelievable. I think I think you felt like something like this would happen at some point. But when you signed with the UFC back in May, did you ever think you'd be in this position this soon? Uh, no, not at all, man. It's been kind of a wild year, wild six months. It's been six months, so like... It's been a crazy six months for sure, man. What has it all been like for you, like emotion-wise? Because I mean, c compared to signing the contract to where you're at now, your confidence, where you're at mentally, must be at like an all-time high right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I'm enjoying all of that. Uh, that's literally what it is. Just, uh, just kind of fi like finding the motions and just finding out that I'm like as good and I belong. Uh, well, it's all kind of going on, you know. Um, cause you're not really sure when you first, like, when you first, like, I don't know, you, you want to be in the UFC, you think you belong, all that stuff. Now that I've been going against all the top 10 in the world, like, 
I'm here. I belong. Like I'm, I'm passing these tests with flying colors, man. And, uh, nobody can tell me I don't belong anymore, you know? So it's been great, man. It's been great kind of just learning along the way and just learning that I'm here and I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm right. I'm right at the level of these motherfuckers. How good does it feel to know in your own mind that you belong, that you've proven yourself to be here because We've talked about this before. You know, it, it was never really like a big confidence issue with you, but sometimes you, your mind plays tricks on you and you're like, do I really belong here? How freeing of a feeling is that to know that, holy crap, like I'm here and I belong and I'm about to fight the number one, number two guy ranked in the world right now? Yeah, it's literally the best feeling ever. It's just like, uh, I don't know, man. I'm just like passing these tests with flying colors. And you watch some of these dudes and you're like, I think I'm better than him. I think I can beat him. You know, I think I'm like here and here and you say it in your head and maybe I tell my friends and stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll beat him, you know, like with confidence or whatever, but you don't really know. Like I'm just shooting the shit. I'm just trying to build confidence in my own head, you know? And then, uh, I go out there, win a fight and I'm like, oh shit, I'm good. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I can do this. You know? It was funny because my luck with broadcast this year has just been wild because you and I did our interview right after the Kai Car France win, and you were looking to the future a little bit, and then we found out Cody Garbrandt was out of the title fight like the next day after that interview was released. Alex yeah. Perez was in the title fight, and now you're going to fight Brandon Moreno. When did you find out like this was a thing? Uh, the day uh, the day after the uh, my fight with Kai Car France, we're on the beach, and uh, I kind of like. I, I found out, like, I found out, caught wind of uh, what was happening Cody Garbrandt and that Alex Perez got their title shot. And then I was, I, t- I turned to uh, my manager, Jason House, and was like, yo, can you put my name in for the Brandon Moreno fight? And he's like, you want me to throw that in there? And I was like, for sure, man. And, uh, yeah, so then that's kind of how it happened. And I pretty much knew right off the bat that it was like a go. Uh, he texted, uh, um, he texted, uh, goddamn, McMaynard and uh, asked, he's like, can uh, Brandon Royval fill that spot? He's ready. And he's on weight and ready to go kind of thing. And, uh, Mick Maynard's like, yeah, would love that. It's perfect. And then ran into Mick Maynard all during fight Island. So, uh, just got to finesse my way in there, but I pretty much knew the day after the Ty Carr France fight. And once it was like signed, sealed and delivered, you were ready to go. How did you react to that? Once you got the word from your manager and from Mick that this, this was happening. A little anxious, man. Cause I was stuck on fight Island. Uh, and then you go, uh, you go from being on fight Island to like, partying a little bit and then i was eating a shit ton and then i'm like stuck on fight island not with my team and then i'm like all right well i just want to be back to training and like you know what i'm saying you have the anxiety of like an immediate fight and uh the best way to get rid of it is just training and uh get that going but i'm in shape and uh i've been back with my team for a minute so uh it's been good now but uh, immediately it was like anxiety i'm like fuck man i put myself in a situation where i can't even party after this fight like do you get to enjoy uh, at least a night or two of partying? Have a couple yeah, of libations? Yeah, I mean, uh, Alex is going to try to deny it because he had a fight the next month, but we were drinking the whole time. <laughs> 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 Me and him spent a week drinking and uh, had fun. <laughs> oh, man, I got I to gotta ask you about this, speaking of fight, Alan, because I've, I've, heard, I've heard a story about you, Brandon. <laughs> heard a story about uh, you and, about you and uh, someone you may know by the name of Yusuf Salal and... Uh, <laughs> Perhaps a, a jet ski was involved. Ah, uh, shit. Yeah, uh, we had fun out there. Um, we had some allegations. Uh, we paid our debt, <laughs> and we left Fight Island scot free. <laughs> yeah, I heard. I, I heard mostly that Yusuf Zalal is is a master negotiator. Is basically yeah, for sure. Story. I'm guessing you heard it from uh, from uh, a couple of the MMA junkie guys. <laughs> so yeah, it was a pretty funny story hearing it. So. 
You don't have to talk about it. I just wanted to bring yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I left I left the uh, Fight Island with some rock and roll fees. I had to pay for like a little bit of a jet ski mishaps. And uh, I broke a TV while I was there on accident. So uh, what? it's a disaster. So like right when I left, I was like $700 in hotel, like uh, hotel damage fees. Yeah, it sucked, man. It was, but I was trying to set up my PlayStation and uh, Alex was like not helping me at all. So I set it up against something and... Uh, Left like a little crack in the screen, man. Oh, it sucks so bad. But uh, <laughs> we're paid our debts. We're out of it. We got fifty. We got fifty G's, <laughs> and then one of those G's went strictly to damage of just Fight Island. It's so a drop <laughs> in the bucket. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so rock heading in, roll, man, rock and roll, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you get the you get the mentality. You're winning fights. You know, enjoy yourself a little bit. But uh, I'm curious what your mentality is like right now heading into this fight, because, yes, you have a fight to prepare for against a very dangerous guy. But at the same time, it has to be creeping in your mind that if you win this fight, your next fight will likely be for the title. Like, I know Garbrand is still there, but you'll be in a position where that next fight should be for the belts. Like, are you using that as motivation or are you trying to block that out and stay focused on this fight and this fight alone? I don't really have that at the forefront of my mind because uh, I don't think that's necessarily the route for me. I think if Brandon Moreno beats me, his next shot is a title shot. I don't necessarily believe that mine is uh, just because I'm really new to the UFC and uh, just kind of capping on all these little mishaps and uh, people pulling out of fights and uh, nobody wanting to take fights during quarantine. So I've been able to capitalize on some of this stuff. Uh, so I'm not necessarily sure that that's my route, and I don't want to get in the forefront of my mind thinking that and, like, put pressure on myself and all that. Um, what gets me out of bed anyways is just finding Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno's a stud. Uh, he's a dangerous opponent, and uh, I have that uh, at the forefront of my mind right now instead of that title shot. There you go. Well said. I mean, I spoke to Brandon a couple weeks ago, and he has a lot of respect for you. He thinks this fight's just going to be like a tornado of destruction, and he's, uh, he's obviously – personally bummed with how this all played out because he was passed over not once but twice for a title shot on the same card yeah, and i know, did that yeah so i mean from a stylistic perspective you mentioned that it gets out of bed but just you thinking about how this fight could go and you know the chaos that you two can put put forth in the octagon you must be <laughs> loving this right now yeah yeah for sure uh, a little bit i always like think it's funny like uh, i was telling about my training partners yesterday it's like when i fight a wrestler i don't give a shit what's gonna happen and now they're like i'm either gonna fuck this dude up really bad I'm gonna get wrestled for 15 minutes. It really doesn't matter. Like, it's not like that scary, you know. But like, when you're fighting someone that's gonna try to drop you, like, knock your head off and all that, like, like perspective changes. Like, it definitely like, you're like, all right, well, like, I can't get away with that on this motherfucker. Like, you know what I'm saying? If I don't keep my chin tucked or I don't do this or that, like, uh, there's consequences to it in uh, fighting like, against someone like Moreno or um, Kai Car France. You know, uh, when you're fighting like a wrestler, it doesn't really matter. So. Uh, I don't know. It's funny. It's funny, like the different the different thought process I have going into this fight compared to like if I was fighting just some some wrestler or whoever it is, you know, that uh, Brandon Moreno is gonna try to finish me every second that this fight goes by, and uh, same same goes for me, you know. I assume Mr. Hernandez will be in your corner once again. Don't want to mess with the hot hand, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've had different corners and stuff, but he's just fun to hang around and. Uh, when that fight got scheduled right after that, I was like, well, fuck you. What do you got, what do you got going on over there? Cause I was going to go corner him originally for that, uh, the Halloween card, but then I got the fight and I was like, I can't really leave town at that point. You know, like I'm kind of stuck here for the peak of my training camp. So, uh, I was just like, all right, well then I'll just throw you back in my corner and stuff. We'll just party afterwards. Cause, uh, we're trying to celebrate the wins together and stuff, you know? How important has he been for like the atmosphere of the gym in general? Because, you know, we talked about it before, and you, don't, you weren't really sure about what he was going to bring to the table. I mean, he's, he's 
got a little bit of a, of a reputation. Clearly, he's found himself in a great place there, and it showed on Halloween when he finished Chris Gritzmacher in the first round. But he's telling me stories about how you know, if you're showing up for for practice and he's out running or doing strength and conditioning, you're, you know, you're texting him saying, well, it looks like I'm I'm better than you today or, you know, something like that. Or if he's there, he's pissed that you didn't text him or, or he didn't text yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, that, yeah. That, well, it's just competition, right? It's everything, man. And then you have someone that works hard. And uh, I have I have like like I'm, I'm like so before I started Factory X, I was at this gym and uh, same goes for him, man. I'm not trying to tell his story, but this is like how my story was before. When I was at Factory X, I outworked everybody at my gym. I was like the best by far. And then I came to Factory X and I'm like, damn, all these other dudes have the same dream as me and like the same passion, the same drive and stuff. So uh, I think that he uh, he had that like mind state where he's like, I outwork everybody, this, this and that. And then he comes to this gym and, and we're all putting it work together. And like, it's it's he's blending in with us. You know what I'm saying? And uh uh, not saying that he's not an extra hardworking guy and he's putting all those hours in for sure because he does do that. But uh, he has some of us that are like that are like similar minded and all that. And uh, that that is how I think of it, man. I try to win the day, and winning the day is beating your teammates a little bit and beating my teammates is getting up earlier than I'm putting a little extra work in, getting a harder run in, uh, making them feel like uh, making them feel like I I outworked them and I want them having that in their mind. You know what I'm saying? So if I can get a little mind fucked before practice goes, I'm like, damn, where are you at? I've been here for an hour already. Like, catch up. You know what I'm saying? Just fuck with his head. Uh, then I'm going to make him a little bit better and uh, push him a little bit more and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? So it's fun, man. It's all fun competition that we have the whole entire time, man. That's the best part of Training Factor X. It's a, not only is it like a team, a team environment, but like we are like an actual team, man. We hang out together. Uh, we talk shit to each other and uh, it's all family around here. I'm curious. I'm sitting there watching this past Saturday's UFC event, and they 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 flash up the main card for UFC 255, and I noticed that you and Moreno were not on the main card. Like I was kind of surprised by that. They put Calvillo and Chikagian on there over you guys. Like, are you okay with that? Like, I know ESPN Bro, brings honestly, more eyebrows, but honestly, I cannot care any less about. That. <laughs> I think this is. I think this is better. I think one. I'm gonna go fucking steal the show for the flyweights. Me and Brandon Moreno are the flyweight fight to watch, anyways. I don't give a shit who's main eventing it. I like Alex Perez a lot, and I think he's obviously exciting or whatever. But fuck that, dude. And like, like the the girl flyweight fight, they're awesome. Uh, whatever her name is, is an exciting fighter. But that being said, is me and Brandon Moreno are the fight to watch, man. And that being said, is we're not gonna get eyes on that pay per view fight. Nobody's gonna buy that pay per view. Uh, so fuck being on that pay per view. I'd rather be on the prelim main event right there. So. I'm the I'm I'm at the main event. Me and Brandon Moreno are the main event right here. Uh, nobody's buying that pay per view fight. There should be more eyes on this fight than uh, the pay per view. So I don't give a shit. I'm actually stoked about it. So you're I'd the that prelim card. So you're the featured bout on ESPN, right? Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Look at this little small. Oh man, the dapper it's dandy. Hardest hitter in the gym. <laughs> I just want to let you know he just watched me work out for an hour, bro. I swear to God. He <laughs> just watched you. <laughs> yeah. He was just watching me work while he was chilling, taking notes. That's how to be better, you know. That's so funny, man. So you're, so I mean, you you guys in that spot, you could actually increase the buy rate because your fights could be so exciting. Um, I don't necessarily think that. Uh, I think that they should tune into my fight and then do whatever the fuck they want to do. I don't really care. <laughs> Enjoy their Saturday <laughs> nights. <laughs> uh, that's like such a horror. I'm gonna get fired from the UFC. I gotta shut up. Buy that pay per view uh, and then go see who I'm gonna fight next. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, how do you see this fight played out? I mean, you called the Kai Car France one pretty much to a T. You like you did the we had our interview. You called it almost exactly the way it went down, and and you were 100 percent accurate with that. How do you see this one playing out? Hey, oh man, this we got legends everywhere. 
we got the master over here. Um, I think it's going to be a, 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 a difference in MMA IQ is really what's going to win me this fight. I think that's going to be a tactician versus brawler. And uh, I think if it goes to a little bit of a brawl, too, I'm going to beat the shit out of him there, too. I think I'm longer and I have the faster hands. And uh, I don't know, man. I think it plays right into my hands no matter what goes on in this fight. Uh, I'm really stoked about it. I think I haven't beat... At least this is the main portion. I think I haven't beat jiu-jitsu-wise and striking-wise. Um, I think he's stronger than me, and I think he has a better wrestling, but I don't really give a shit about that, so we'll see. So after this fight, you're going to enjoy some time off, enjoy the holidays, eat some delicious food, party a little bit? Um, I'm going to be on whatever they're on for that flyweight title. If, uh, if uh, they reschedule that fight right away and uh, Garbrandt's going to fight Figgy or whoever, whoever wins that title, I mean, and they're doing that right away. I'm going to start cutting weight and just being on cue for that fight for sure because uh, I know I know where I'm at. I know that. Uh, I, I know what, what could happen. And uh, like I said, Garbrandt hasn't made 125 yet. Might as well just stay ready and get ready to make 125 uh, at the same time he's going to because uh, I think it'd be worth it, right? It'd be worth it. Just be ready uh, on the queue. Let UFC know that I'm weighing 125 or weighing around fight weight. And just uh, stay motivated for this because anything can happen, you know? Uh, I've been I've been around for a while, and uh, a lot of times shit doesn't work out the way it's supposed to work out, and I can capitalize off that. The only thing scarier than a raw dog is an opportunistic raw dog. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, like I said, I mean, I, I, I'm not necessarily like – thought to win this fight or the Kai Car France fight and all that and uh any the most dangerous person is someone with nothing to lose man I really have nothing to lose out there nobody fucking thinks I'm gonna win the fight I don't give a shit though uh yeah so I mean I mean I feel like I'm the more dangerous opponent in this situation because I have nothing to lose everybody expects this dude to beat my ass you know what I'm saying he has all the experience uh all that and uh, a lot of hype behind him so there's you got a different look in your eyes for this one brandon i have to say like uh i've interviewed you before like before and after like your last four or five fights at this point and uh there's a look in your eye that i haven't seen before do you just does this one just feel different to you um a little bit man it definitely just feels like something that's like oh like i don't know i don't know man like i've changed my life in the last year so it's been it's been i'm pretty grateful for all this stuff and like i really just feel like i have nothing to lose out there like i, I really just like genuinely feel that i'm getting tagged and messages that i'm gonna get my ass whooped and this this and that and like it's whatever man i, I don't give a shit man all i have to do is go prove these motherfuckers wrong again and then maybe uh maybe i'll stop being the underdog in every single spot i have you know there you go well i wish you nothing but the best man i'm really looking forward to this fight potential show stealer uh, I appreciate you uh, stealing that art, uh, taking the time to interview me every time, man. And uh, we are going to steal that show for sure. That uh, that 50 G's is ours for sure. As much as I don't <laughs> want to, I want the 50 G's just to be mine in the performance night, but uh, it's going to be ours for sure, man. Fuck. <laughs> Enjoy, man. Appreciate it. Great stuff from Brandon Royval. The man is ready for a scrap, and he will certainly get it from Brandon Moreno next weekend. That one absolutely unequivocally could steal the show at UFC 255. We're getting ready to uh, to put a bow on this week's episode of the program. We do have one more interview to get to, and we'll get to that momentarily, but uh, just a quick rundown of things that are happening. Bellator is back tonight. It is Thursday morning after all. Bellator 252, headlined by Patricio Pitbull, defending his featherweight title against Rafael Carvalho, part of the featherweight Grand Prix. we got Emmanuel Sanchez versus Daniel Weichel, another Grand Prix fight on the card. Aaron Pico, Kerry Melendez, all be competing. Should be a good one. we got UFC Vegas 14 going down 
on Saturday. And we may do another live preview show for that on Friday, but uh, we'll have you covered throughout the night on Saturday with results, news, post-fight show, etc. on Saturday. But with that said, big thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Big thank you and shout out to Casey Lyon on the production, Alex Savas and Jose Youngs helping out the graphics as always. Have a heck of a week, everybody, as we leave you with my conversation with the COO of Titan FC, Lex McMahon, ahead of his professional MMA debut next weekend at 49 years of age. Great stuff. Thank you very much. All right, we have Titan FCCO Lex McMahon joining us. And in a couple weeks from right now, he's going to have a very busy weekend. Titan FC goes down Sunday, November 22nd in the Dominican Republic. But the day before that, he's going to make his MMA debut as a fighter. He's going to face Justin Thornton, a 23-fight vet in the main event of Fighting Force 4. And both those events will stream on UFC Fight Pass. Lex, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. Uh, getting a little bit of uh, recovery work in right now as we talk. Got the massage chair working, getting ready to uh, get myself uh, an IV drip, you know, with uh, vitamins and all that good stuff just to take care of the body a little bit, but doing well. Good to hear. Uh, so this is something else, man. You have a fight card to prepare for as a COO for Titan FC. You have your own fight to prepare for right before you eat your Thanksgiving dinner. What is going on in that head of yours right now with all this going on? You know, I'm, right now I'm just thinking I'm really happy that I've got a great team that can help me manage, you know, all the responsibilities that I have uh, between the two uh, events. You know, to be honest, I really didn't want to um, – you know, fight as well as have a, a Titan event during the same week. I wanted to have the fight experience be autonomous so that I could really enjoy it. Um, but, you know, the UFC wanted an event, uh, a Titan event that same weekend. And my reality is just different than a lot of other people's, you know. And so I talked about it with my coaches and, and they said, listen, man, you're you're a different dude. You, you know, your reality is just different. You'll be fine. you got a great team. Let's go with it. So, you know, I'm going to juggle both, but we'll be fine. Like I said, i got a great team of folks and, and uh, great coaches and training partners, so I'm ready to roll. So when did this idea come into your head? Was this something that, like you had been planning for a while, just hadn't been able to find the time to really pull the trigger, or was this something that you just woke up and was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, I tell these guys – you know, essentially, like you go in there and you fight for entertainment and you do all this stuff, but I want to put my money where my mouth is. I want to do something for them as well as the veterans, which we'll get into in a moment. But when did this idea kind of pop into your head? You know, and for, you know, because of what I do professionally, you know, I do a lot of media. And um, for the past few years, I've been, you know, getting this question tell us about your experiences in, in mixed martial arts, and you know, because uh, I've been in the business almost 13 years now. And the response has always been the same. You know, hey, I've done pretty much every job you can do. You know, I've been uh, a manager. I've been a matchmaker. Uh, you name it, I've done it. The only thing I haven't done is fight. And for, you know, a while that didn't really, like, I didn't connect the pieces, right? But at some point I, made, I answered that question in the same fashion and I said, well, why? You know? And that really kind of started um, last November where I said, you know what, I need to start focusing in on this. So for the past year, I've really been, you know, kind of focused in on the idea that I would fight. And then, you know, we finally got past coronavirus and I was going to fight. Now. That slowed us down a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think the timing is right now. I feel good. 
And, um, you know, I'm excited, man. I, I think that, you know, as a Marine, uh, for me, I've always believed in leadership from the front. That's the way we were taught. You know, you don't ask people to do something that you haven't done or aren't willing to do yourself. And so that's a big part of why I decided to fight, man, so that I could understand um, intimately what it is these fighters go through. Because, man, you know, with almost 13 years experience, I thought I had a really good understanding. It's just different. When you when it's you that's really going through it personally as opposed to being a vicarious bystander, it's just entirely different. Do you feel do you feel more like a fighter now? Like do you like going through a camp and all that stuff and getting ready for a fight? I mean, obviously once you get in there and perform, that's that's a whole different thing. You'll probably take that next step. But do you have like more of that understanding that you were seeking? Yeah, for sure. I mean here's the difference. I'm like, I mean, I'm forty nine years old. Um, I'm, a, I'm a business guy. I'm not a fighter. I'm, I'm not, you know, I will fight my ass off November 21st. And um, I have a fighter's ethos and spirit, but I'm not a professional fighter the way these guys are. I mean, yes, technically I certainly will be, but, um, you know, for that night. But it's, it's not that I'm trying to do this because I want that title, right? That's not what matters. Is I want the understanding. Um, and I want my fighters and, and the athletes that we work with to, to know that, you know, I do kind of put my money where my mouth is and, and um, try to get out and, and understand what they do. Um, but it's also obviously about the awareness piece, which I know we're going to chat about. Sure. And where, where have you been training? Who have, who have you been working with to get you ready for this? And, and how did the coaches react to you saying, you know what, 48, 49 years old, I'm, I'm going to get in there and fight. Yeah. You know, my coaches um, are great, and I've been very fortunate. I originally broached the, the subject with um, Jazius, uh, Calvin Conte, Jay-Z, you know, considered, you know, at one point the number one lightweight fighter in the world, you know, back in the heyday of Japan. Uh, and then Roger Kroll, who is, I think, probably the best striking coach in the sport that nobody knows about. Um, you know, he just doesn't self-promote the way that a lot of the other guys do, but he's an absolute, you know, ninja when it comes to, to striking. Um, so I originally had the conversation with them, and, you know, they both looked at me like, all right, bro, you don't need to do this. You understand that, right? And I said, you know, I get it, but I feel that I want to, and here's why. And they said, all right, well, let's do it, man. Let's build a plan, and, you know, you got to put in the work. And, um, and we did, and I've been very fortunate that, you know, I've had, I've always had fighters, you know, probably the past seven, eight years live at the house from Stefan Struve, who lived with us for almost five years, Jose Shorty Torres, uh, and now Rami Hamed, um, you know, world champion, uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing guy who's just awesome. And has also kind of become deadly on the jujitsu side. So, you know, I train with these guys nonstop. And, you know, even before I thought about fighting, I was training with them. And so now, you know, I've been able to work a lot really extensively with um, Rami in particular because during coronavirus, when everything shut down during quarantine, we just trained twice a day, you know, sometimes three times a day. That's all we did is train because I have a, garage, uh, a gym set up in my garage. So in that regard, it's been awesome. Um, I did, I figured, hey, I'm going to do this one time. So I really want to have an epic you know, experience all the way around. And one of the things that I did was create a um, really kind of old school fight camp where we went up to Alabama and I had Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Walt Harris, you know, Charles Rosa, 
Uh, Mohamed Usman, who's uh, Cameroon's brother, who's seven and one heavyweight and an absolute bear of a man. And then plus the coaches, Rami, Shorty, you know, all those guys that came. And uh, we were on a 2,000 acre farm up in rural Alabama. And, you know, we built a, um, you know, a gym. And we had a boxing ring, we had a mat area, we had heavy bags, we, you know, had everything you would need. And uh, we just isolated ourselves for three weeks. And the guys, like, I named my fight camp Breaking Legs. And it's because I knew that I needed to be broken down and built back up, right? Like in the Marine Corps, we have this uh, idea called the crucible, which is an exercise that does exactly that. It's designed to, to beat, you know, beat you down and kind of take you down to your very fundamental level um, and then, you know, build you up from there. And that's kind of what happened with me uh, during this process. You know, I, I was humbled. Um, I was crushed. I mean, we had one point our camera guy um, – Justin, who was with us the entire time, was doing double duty, and he was was uh, taking frozen alligator meat and rubbing it all over me because we didn't have ice. But we had a lot of frozen alligator meat because it was up in the you know the, the redneck backwoods of uh, rural Alabama. But you know, to try to help me recover, you know, and there was days where I broke down crying um, because I was just getting my ass kicked, and I was like, "Holy shit!" The emotion of it—not that I broke down because I was getting my ass kicked, like just the emotions of getting ready to go in, like. You know, I, I've been I've been you know plenty of fights in my day, but man, this experience and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is what an emotional roller coaster preparing to fight is, um, and that's something that I've you know come to understand. And you know, I'm excited. We have a, a series of videos that Fight Pass is going to be launching. And man, Mike, when I tell you I get my ass kicked, like, I get whooped, man. But I'm getting my ass kicked by guys that fought for the UFC welterweight title, guys that, you know, um, 7'1", 260-pound Muhammad Usman, who literally hit me harder than I've ever been hit. And, you know, he was in the last round of a Shark Tank uh, setup. And I was just so gassed. And I'm, like, looking across at this monster, and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, this is going to be a rough <laughs> round. It was. It was. But I'll tell you, you know, with all these guys that are, you know, such a high level, uh, no disrespect to my opponent, I'm, I'm ready for him. But he's going to have nothing. He will have nothing to offer me that I haven't already experienced, you know, from, you know, guys like Yuli Diaz, who's, who's I think, 15-1 and one combined combat sports record with 14 knockouts between bare knuckle boxing and MMA, you know, like just guys like that, that are just monsters, you know, wonder boy. I mean, look at wonder boy. I mean, if I can deal with anything that wonder boy has, you know, or Walt Harris or Eric Andrews, like I had all these amazing people that came out to help, uh, prepare. So it was a hell of an experience. Not to mention, you know, we were on this beautiful farm and got to shoot a lot of guns and hang out and have, have a lot of fun as well. I know your team has really come through and getting this, Titan FC 65 event ready and roaring for you so you could focus on training and all that stuff. But in a way, because of what it takes to prepare for a fight, is it almost helpful to have something to just kind of jump into if you want to? Like if you want to focus on Titan FC 65 just to get your mind off the fight a little bit, I mean, I know it's not your sole focus, but it's there for you. You know what I mean? Because I've talked to so many fighters over the years. They treat each fight like it's everything. You know what I mean? They think about it 24-7. They're training. But on the flip side, you have somewhat of a distraction because you have a lot on your plate. Do you kind of dive into the event planning just to get your mind off it? Or are you just fully engulfed in this thing? You know, I mean, it's both, right? I, I know that come fight week, I'm... You know, I won't need to really do a ton of work if I don't want to. 
But the reality is I'm going to, you know, because it will help me, I think, focus. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the things that I watch fighters struggle with, like I just got back from Abu Dhabi with Stefan Struve when, when he fought at uh, UFC 254. You know, I mean, we're sitting around for 12 days and you're training once or twice a day and the rest of the time you're just sitting around like Netflix and chill, right? Like, to me, that leads to an idle mind. And I'd rather not be idle because then I start thinking about the what ifs. Just keep me busy, man. Train when I need to train. You know, we're going to have a lot going on because we're going to have, you know, media day for two fights. Uh, lots of uh, media you know, on the ground in the Dominican Republic between TV, print and radio. You know, we have uh, meetings with the minister of sports, the president of the country. Uh, then we've got weigh-ins for two different fights and two different fights themselves. Uh, so it's going to be a busy, busy week next week. And, and I think it'll probably go fast. And next thing you know, I'll be going, holy shit, the fight's done. And, and then I'll be sitting on a beach, you know, going, now it's time to relax. <laughs> as you uh, as you mentioned before, this is a way, one, to show the fighters, hey, I'm not asking you to do something I wouldn't do. And at the same time, you're also going to be raising money and awareness for our military veterans. This is not a, a money play for you whatsoever because you're donating everything to a hero, uh, even your sponsorship money. So for those who don't know, what is a hero? Yeah, thank you so much, Mike, for asking. So, you know, I, I did two tours of duty uh, in Somalia as a Marine uh, in, in the 90s, uh, what we kind of called the uh, unpleasantness of the early 90s. Um, it was hard, man. You know, you, you are exposed to a lot. You see and do things uh, that, you know, are, are really demanding uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And, you know, it leaves a mark on you. And so I wanted to serve those who are still serving, you know, now that I'm not in the military, you know, anymore. And, and one of the ways that I found that I could do that was getting involved philanthropically with, with, uh, various military veteran nonprofits. Uh, a hero is one that I'm very involved with, which is America's heroes enjoying recreation and outdoors. And, and the idea is it was founded by, um, one of my really good friends who's a Marine Corps major. Uh, he was a Sergeant in Fallujah. And, and then did several more tours um, as an officer in Iraq. Uh, during a you know one uh, month period, he lost like 20 some odd of his um, soldiers that were, were assigned to him because he was working with an army unit at the time. And uh, you know it took a toll on him, man. He was blown up several times, and finally he came home and you know he had the phone next to him, a bottle of Jack Daniels in front of him, and his 45 in his mouth, and uh, he was squeezing the trigger. And the phone rang, and it said, Mama. Literally, his mother saved his life without even knowing. And he explained to her what he was doing and are about to do. And she said, Baby, you got to come home. And he lives in rural Alabama. And uh, he went home, and he spent time out in the woods hunting and fishing, but he did it with other veterans. And he found that that was really cathartic. So he decided to start a, um, a nonprofit. And he called it a hero, and he, he reached out to me. I, he's a pro fighter as well, and I, I managed him for a period of time. Uh, we met through Wonder Boy, actually. And um, he said, I need your help, man. I need you to get on the board of the thing and help me you know, grow it. Well, that's been almost 11 years now, and we've had close to 9,000 veterans come through. And we've you know, taken them all over the world. And you know, the whole premise of what a hero does is we take people that are like-minded, we put them in a fun environment and we let them engage in peer-to-peer -peer counseling. You know, there could be 
say myself, somebody else who is um, didn't serve in the military, and then we could be with a you know a veteran who's injured, maybe he lost both of his legs, and the civilian who didn't have any military experience could be empathetic and could say, oh wow, I'm so sorry, you know what happened, and, and the vet probably isn't going to give a very detailed response, if any response at all. Um, not that he doesn't appreciate the compassion and the empathy, but the problem is, is that person doesn't understand. Whereas I could say, hey man, how did you get hit? And he's going to be like, yo, we were driving down the, the MSR, you know, the main supply route, hit an IED, next thing you know, one leg was over my shoulder, the other one was, you know, 30 yards in front of me, and I was like, oh shit, what, what just happened, you know? And they begin to loosen up because someone else that has either similar experiences or at least a point of reference is, is trying to connect to them again. And they lose that a lot of times when they leave the military because it's such a tight-knit group and then they go back to wherever home is at and you're not part of that anymore. It's probably one of the things that, that veterans struggle with the most is that transition. And so a hero, our mission is all about you know, helping deal with PTSD and, and stopping veteran suicide. And, and so I decided I was gonna donate my entire fight first, my, um, my sponsorship money, and I set a goal to raise at least $50,000, donate to A-Hero to help them with their mission. And, uh, you know, we're doing good, man, and just got to keep pushing to raise that awareness and, and keep those funds coming in. One thing about this community, and, you know, sometimes the fans can be a little fickle, but I try to try to tell everybody, like, when, when the chips are down and help is needed, this community comes through in a big way. So have you had a lot of support from people in the MMA community helping you out with this and trying to get that number close to that 50,000? Yeah, I mean, definitely people are stepping up, and I think once the videos um, that we did with the UFC, we have a, a four-part documentary that's going to be dropping starting this week. Um I think once those start, people will really begin to see what it is uh, that, you know, myself and my team and Nate Hero and the UFC are really trying to do. And I will tell you, you know, there has been no better partner than dealing with uh, the UFC as it's as I've gone through this. Um, I will tell you that they have made it a reality me to be able to do this and, and to show that fight on to, to fight pass so that it can get the proper visibility um, but they're also stepping up a major way financially and and they're contributing in a large way and I am humbled by what um, they are doing you know the fight pass team led by Crowley Sullivan and Stephen Tetchy have been incredible and I'm just they're they're a tremendous partner and when push comes to shove, once we got everything tallied up, I'll kind of you know let everybody know. But suffice it to say that um, they've been incredible and, and they've, they're stepping up in a major way for for a hero. That's great. Uh, so you're gonna fight Justin Thornton, 23 fights. He's, you know, the record's not great, but he's been in there with 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 some tough guys. Been in there with Chase Sherman, the aforementioned Walt Harris, who you've trained with. So Walt probably has some insight to what you may be seeing in there, but. Do you have an, uh, an official prediction for this fight? Are you allowing yourself to think in that manner, or are you just going in there and the chips are going to fall how they may? You know, man, for me, this journey has been the true fight, you know? When I get to fight night, I've been really well trained. I, uh, you know, I have the benefit. I'm not going to take anything away from Justin. I wanted a really credible opponent, somebody that had a lot of experience. So that people just didn't look and say, oh, you know, this is like a setup thing for Lex to stroke his ego. 
and I'm fighting somebody with a hell of a lot more experience than me. And, you know, he's been in with UFC veterans and, and you know, so he's going to be coming. And I know that he views this as his opportunity to, uh, you know, get get some awareness about himself. And, and you know, he's probably looking at it going, oh, he's just, here's this 49-year-old guy, older, like, what does he know? Well, what I will say, I'm not going to, like, you know, get crazy with, you know, predictions and all that, but if, if Justin doesn't take me seriously, he's going to get knocked out by a 49-year-old man, and that's going to be embarrassing. So I, I really hope that he's prepared not to get embarrassed because I want a good fight. I want something that's going to be um, a true challenge. I want to be bloodied. I want to feel the pain. I don't want it to be over fast. But if he underestimates me in the slightest bit, I guarantee you that my coaches will have me ready, and I'm ready to go. You know, I'm like a, at this point, I'm like a tiger that's been pinned up, man. I just want to pounce. I just want to go and get after it and make it happen. And whatever happens, happens. But I know it's going to be – it's not going to be a fight. I mean, it's, it's two heavyweights. It's not going to be a fight where we're sitting around, you know, playing touch butt in the park. I mean, this is – we're going to get after it. And um, hopefully he's ready to do that because otherwise it's going to be a quick night for him. And then you have your fight, and then you get Titan FC 65 the next day. Love the little Sunday afternoon MMA action, Lex. Uh, same venue as your fight, I believe, and uh, pretty good card here. You got Mike Graves and Otan Jasse for the for the welterweight title. Matt Waggy's on the card. Juan Puerta trying to punch his ticket to the UFC. This is a, a guy that's definitely one of the best 125-pound prospects outside of the UFC right now. There's a lot to like about this card. You know what I mean? Puerta is um, he's a guy who's been a champ for us. He is someone who's finished the majority of his fights. He's always been an exciting fighter. Um, I've taken him to hostile territory multiple times between going to Kazakhstan, going to the Dominican Republic previously, then now again. Uh, I love that guy, man. He, he, he's such a competitor, and I hope that he gets his 20th win, and I hope he does it in amazing fashion. So that, you know, the UFC looks at him and says, yeah, it's time, son, come on up. And, and I'm definitely going to be advocating. But, yeah, you're right. Great card. I wanted to make sure that we put on, you know, with, with the guys at Fighting Force who've also put on a good card. You know, I wanted to make sure that Titan stepped up and delivered a really, you know, premium card we're getting towards the end of the year. And uh, I wanted to make sure that we put the info out there that, you know, we're taking, you know, this year has been a big year for us. And, you know, we, despite coronavirus, we put on a lot of cards and, and, you know, put people into the UFC, put them on the contender series, all that. And so for us, business as usual, and we're just going to continue making great fights. So, Honestly, I think what you're doing is amazing. Getting in there, fighting. You're an inspiration to some of us older folks trying to get off our asses and do something meaningful with our lives. But uh, I do wish you nothing but the best for the rest of this camp and the fight itself, fight week, all of that, as well as Titan FC 65 on November, November 22nd. But uh, anything else you want to get off your chest before you say goodbye, man? You know, just um, thank you. Uh, thanks to the UFC, uh, UFC Fight Pass team. Um, and, and to all the fans that will tune in and hopefully support the cause, you know, I, I appreciate it. It means a lot. It's, it's a meaningful cause. I've really given of myself substantially uh, to, to make this happen. And, you know, I, I, I just hope that everybody helps uh, us raise as much money as possible. And I would say, you know, please go to uh, aherousa.org, fight, and it's the, the number four, a hero. If we can uh, get people to go do that, that's how they can check out information about my fight as well as how they can donate and support a hero's mission of stopping veteran suicide. Well said, Lex. Thank you so much for the time, man. Thank you, brother. Take care. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.